0: We'll get into our question for this week. When I was talking to Pastor Ashes this week, it was really nice. He gave a lot of good wisdom. One thing he said is, think about why did you even pick the name The Serving Church? And I was like, I, I don't think I've ever actually specifically said this. I do think this is something God just gave me in a moment. And I was like, I went with it. But in reflection, I consider this. You know, one of the things I consider to be very important for believers is that we mature ourselves. That we go from being a little kid to older to an adult, right? And then, you know, you see there's an old person there. But maturity is getting older. And for many Christians, we're very stagnant. I said this even a second ago. We come into church, we, nothing changes about our life. We have these really good messages, these really good worship sets. Life goes back to normal. For me, though, what's really important in the church is that you are maturing. You are growing. I pray that's something that you care about. You know, the serving church, the idea of service to me and servanthood is an image of maturity. You know, the person who's able to serve someone else is someone who knows their worth, knows who they are in Christ, and is able to serve other people. So to me, the image of maturity is service. Maturity comes in many ways, though. I think maturity comes... From understanding yourself too. Spending time understanding yourself and dissecting yourself. There are so many people who are stuck in the past though, right? They don't understand themselves, they don't understand why they do what they do, and because of that they're stuck. They can't grow up. I'll give you an example of this. Many times when I start my school year, kids will come into my classroom And they'd be like, Mr. Thomas, don't expect anything out of me. And i say, why? And like, you haven't even started my class. You haven't even taken a test yet. And I'm like, why do you say that? They're like, I'm not good at math. I'm like, what do you say then? they're like, oh, I did bad in this class or something. And if I dig a little bit further, I always find out. There was somewhere along the way where a teacher told them, oh, you're never going to be good at math. And because of that, they internalize that and they can't grow up. They can't see themselves as being good at math. We all have things in our past. You know, even Heps, you know, when she got into that car accident like a month ago or two months ago, right? She took a left turn and like a car like sideswiped her. So, guess what happened the next time she wanted to take a left turn? She hesitates. What, right? Because it's like our past affects us. And we have to be very aware of our past so it doesn't stop us. The sad part is so many people don't even realize certain things in their past are, is stopping them. There's so much, and you have to spend time with yourself. I know a lot of relationships that are stuck in the past. You know, like a wife will say, oh, you know, my husband did this 30 years ago. I'm like, dang, 30 years is gone. you got to get over it, <laughs> right? But they're stuck there. Like someone may have said something or hurt someone, and that relationship is stuck. Right? Because people are stuck in the past. Sometimes giftings are stuck in the past. Like we have these desires to be used by God. You know, when we're young, we are open to try anything to be used by God. And then someone comes in our face and says, Oh, you're, why are you doing that? Or how can you do that? And because of that, you know what happens? It's like we get stuck there. That label or that person has stopped us from living in our gifting. So many times our identities are stuck in the past and we don't even know that. And so my challenge and my question for you today is this, how do we handle the things of the past? How do we handle our past so that we stop being stuck and that we can grow up? Because truly, unless you work through some things, you won't grow up. You know, there was a verse in Revelations 1, verse 8, that says, I am Alpha the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Our God is a God of the past, the present, and the future. He's a God that's outside of time. And He wants you to have victory in your past. But many people, you know what, we know what people do? They will have something happen to them, and they suppress it deep down. And they're like, if I ignore this enough, it'll just go away. But let me encourage you that doesn't work like that. God is a God of the past and he wants you to have a victory in the past. He needs you to almost like those things that we've kind of bottled deep down, we might have to come face to face with it. So I ask you the question, which is an important question for our maturity, how do we handle our past? So here's the text that we're going to be looking at. The text we're looking at today is John chapter 21, verse 1 through 17. And this is Peter working through his situation. So Peter had rejected Jesus how many times? Three times. And so we see here's what Peter goes through first. So afterward, Peter, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This is John 21, 1-17, to by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Debedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said. We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they said. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon heard heard him say, As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And I'm going to jump to this. 15 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. We're going to read 16 together. Ready, one, two, three. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Let's do the next one too. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So We're going to use this text as almost a guide to us to see how we work through our past. But one thing I like to do and always I like to do is I like physical demonstrations. And so we have um, a backpack. And so we're going to put the backpack on for those who are listening. I have my black backpack, so I'll be keeping it on. And so this will be kind of an indication of our past. It's something that's behind us and that we carry with us. Can y'all agree with me? So the first thing I recognize from the story of uh, Peter is where does the story begin? Well, this story of Peter, where does it begin? They were fishing. Isn't that interesting? When this is Jesus had, or Peter had denied him three times, and when the reconciliation occurred, where does it occur? It, you, can't, you can't give the, the answer already. Well, what was the answer though? Where he first met Jesus. So it's interesting. What was the first encounter Peter had with Jesus? Fishing. Remember Jesus was on the shore and he said, put your net out. What is this encounter where reconciliation happened? He almost, We see the first thing happening again. And so here's what I learned from that. When you really want to have victory in your past, the first thing you need to do is remember the faithfulness of God. One of the most difficult things I think as believers is we pray for certain things from God. We say, God, I need this from you. And the second he gives it to us, what do we do? We forget all about it. But, you know, what I want to encourage you is you get your backpack you go into your past, you open it up, and you realize, okay, you have, wow, you have, I have a foam roller for those listening online, and you realize there are stories of your past that you could just leave back there, and they're just a weight, or what else could it do? Do you all know what a foam roller does? huh? Stretches my muscles, like you roll on it, and it kind of expands, and you realize this thing in this past can benefit me today. Something that happened in the past, something that you asked God for, can be a strength for you for today. So I want to encourage you, your job is to dig through your past and think about the faithfulness of God. See, when the enemy wants to bring your past hurts and past mistakes, think about your past victories. Right? What if we spent as much time thinking about our past victories as we do our past mistakes? We walk in boldness. We walk in faith. We say, man, God already did this for me. Won't he do it again? You have a strength inside of you. But that's your job. Because the natural proclivity and the natural nature of man is to think about all the bad things I've done. And we can find every angle of it. Oh, I did that. And oh my gosh, why did I do that? Oh, man, oh, God, can I get through this? And instead, I want to encourage you, think of the good. Think of the things that God has already done. And this is not anything new. God always commanded his people to do this, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, he's telling the Israelites, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Your job, you see how he says, you have to think so closely because the second you forget the faithfulness of God, doubt will come. The second you forget the faithfulness of God, you're like, I can't do this. And God starts his reconciliation with Peter by saying, Do you understand? I've always loved you. I chose you not because you're perfect, I chose you because I chose you. You have a responsibility to think about the faithfulness of God. This is a human thing as well. You know, in therapy, they they have this thing called narrative therapy. I learned this in my counseling class that I took during my MDiv. And so they say, you know, a lot of relationships, husband, wives, when they come into counseling, they say there's this philosophy that our life is like a story. And for husbands and wives, sometimes all they can see in the story is the bad. So when they come in, they'll be like, okay, what's going on? And the wife will say all the complaints about the husband. And the husband will say all the complaints about the wife. Because the story has become tainted. But you know what the counselor does in that moment? He says, okay, can you start telling me about your first date together? Like, tell me, what, how, were they like romantic? Were they nice? And what happens is then the wife will think about all the beautiful things that the husband did. And then as they think about the good things, the negative things kind of go to the side. It's called narrative therapy. And it's almost like this counseling thing that people have figured out over time, God has already encouraged. Remember the good of God. Remember the good of God. When you are lost and you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to handle the next one, remember the good that God has done for you. And that's such a beautiful practice because it strengthens you. As you think about it, worship comes out. As you think about it, joy comes out. How far has he already brought me? He's brought me so far. Won't he continue? Won't he continue? So the advice that I have to give you today is take time daily to talk about God's faithfulness to your family and to your friends. Stop just talking about nothing. If you want your faith to grow, talk about how God's been good. And you know someone who knew this well? It's my amachi. My amachi loved to talk about the stories of God's faithfulness. She would say the same stories a hundred times. I was looking at, like, after my Amici passed, I wrote down all her stories that she would tell me. She had 19 stories, 20 stories that she recycled over and over and over again. So I'm going to give you one of them that she always told me. I was looking back at it last night. So one of the ones she always said was, they had come to an area, I don't remember one of the cities, they went to 12 different cities in their ministry. And at one of the cities, one of the More uh, powerful men of the city came to their house and he told them he didn't like that my apachin was, you know, converting people and getting them to know the Lord. So he came and Amuchi doesn't give too many details. So I just imagine he came to the door and he was like, Where is the pastor of the house? And Amuchi said, He's not here. And she said, All of this in Malayalam. And the guy said, In three days, I will make sure the name of Jesus is not in this city anymore. And Amuchi said, Ma'amichi was quick. Ma'amichi was such a problem, but still she was like quick-witted towards God, like godly things. She like will put you in your place. And so she she looks at this powerful man in the city and says, they've been trying for 2,000 years to make the name of Jesus not known. You think you're going to do it in three days? (laughs) I loved it. Ma'amichi was always hyped when she said it too. (laughs) So Ma'amichi, our grandma, said um, the man left that day. And she said, within three days, that man had a heart attack and died. And she told me, don't take Christian matters lightly. The God whom we serve is someone who's powerful. And she reminded me, see, see, that story of faith made me take the words of God seriously. But she always remembered God's faithfulness. She always proclaimed God's faithfulness. And you know the crazy part? If we all are to dig honestly in our life, You have powerful stories of God's faithfulness. Look how far he's brought you. Look how far you've come. And when the enemy tries to keep making you think about all the bad, talk loudly. Say the good. You know, I even want to encourage you, sometimes one of the hard things is we forget the promises we made to God when we were in a season. We tell God, God, if you will do this, I will do this for you. And then the victory comes and then we just forget about it. Remember those promises. Remember you, what you said to God and live it out. So I want to encourage you. The first thing for us to have victory in our past is realize some of the things of our past is really things that are meant for our good and you have to use it. Find it and bring it out and talk to people about it. We get into the next thing. The next thing is verse from verse 15 through 17, and three times, what does Jesus do? He asks him, Simon, do you love me? And so what I recognize in that verse is this. There are some things that you just have to, issues that you have to work through. You know, again, like I said, many times, there are things that we're like, let's just put it deep down and never think about it again, because it's hard, it's heavy. But what I want to encourage you is those things that God has allowed in your life, we have a responsibility to work through. So, you know, like we have, you know, I have my backpack on again. And, you know, you're walking, you're like, oh, man, this is really heavy, the thing that's on my back. And then you, like, take your backpack off and you realize it's just this heavy weight. Our past is like a weight. Can I encourage you, what do we do with the weight? You can let it stay there and give a bruise on your back. Or what else could you do? Why don't you start working out with it? Right? Let it strengthen you. This thing that you thought would crush you, let it strengthen you. When When we want to avoid, Jesus came to him and said, let's look straight at it. Right? You know, three times Jesus asks him the question, Simon, son of Peter, do you love me? And you know why he asked three times. Why does he ask three times? Because he had denied him three times. So I want to encourage you, we have a responsibility to work through some things in our life. You have to spend some time with yourself and say, what the enemy has meant to crush me, or maybe this mistake that I've made, I need to work through it. Whatever it is crushing you from your past, I need to work through it. You know, you know. I was, I was talking to Cheryl. She's the one I interviewed this week. And she had said this point that I really like. She said, you have to kind of dig back into the past and figure out where the lie of the enemy became established in your life. You know, there are some things, there are some lies or some regrets or some fears that were established that have become truths deep inside your brain. I can't be used by God. No one's going to love me. Things that have gone down and you have to go spend time with yourself and you can't let these situations become truths of your lives. You have to pull it up and instead replace it with the Word of God. You have to replace it and say, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The rejection people have, you know, I am loved by God. You have to spend time and work through some things yourself. And again, I always encourage this. I don't think counseling is something that's terrible at all. Work with counselors. But I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit is the great counselor. And sometimes there are some situations you just have to go to his feet and say, God, I need you to help me to work through this. God wants to help you. Work through some things of your past. So let me encourage you today. Let me encourage you today. Some of those things that you feel like I never wanted to think about, bring it up and let God help you work through it. Let God help you work through it. You know, I'm going to give just a story of this and I'll wrap up. And, you know, I think all of us feel and experience different things in our life that can crush us. I remember once on a Wednesday night sermon, when I was speaking, you know, I was doing the youth series at our church. And on Wednesday nights, uh, there was literally nobody who came. It was probably like 10 of us, not even 10. It was probably less than this. And it was just a bunch of adults and me. And I was like, why am I doing a youth sermon? But I still did it anyways. And so I was speaking on a particular Wednesday at church. And that particular Wednesday, uh, you know, as a speaker, I have my own vibe. I ask questions. I'm, I can laugh if I say think I say something funny, and so that particular would say, I said something I thought was funny, and I laughed. I say my sermon, and I finish. And as the sermon ends, and uh, one of the pastor upachins comes up to me and says, "Sam, you know, you do good, but you smile and laugh too much when you speak." I was like, "What kind of? You know what I mean? Like." What's wrong with you? I'm sorry I'm happy. Sorry you're sad all the time. You know I said all this in my head. I didn't say any of it out loud. I was like oh okay I'm sorry and it was really crushing to me. Genuinely. I was like I ran home that day. I was like man I was so happy. I thought I did a decent job (laughs) and I was like man what's wrong with this man. Nobody's even here. That's also what made it worse. Like there's not even a young person here. I'm just doing this to be faithful. And see, here's the thing. Many times someone has said something or something has happened that has crushed us. And we feel like I can't anymore. And it's like, you know, I, ha- I could have easily let it be that I'm done. I don't want to work with these people anymore. But instead I work through it. And I say, who I am is meant for somebody. God made me purposefully. And I've learned that. I've come to peace with that. I've let the truth of God Supersede opinions and rejection and hurt that it may have that could have taken the place. So, let me just encourage you there are things that each one of us need to work through because as we work through, we live into our calling better, right? Who we are is better because we work through it. So, I begin with where I end. I am sorry, I end with where I began. <laughs> How do we handle our past? Our past is a difficult thing, but I want to encourage you, it's a thing of maturity. When you spend time with God, we don't just spend time to sing some songs and pray. He works on you. He's working on you and making you into a better version of you so that more and more we look like an image of Christ. For what reason? Because look at Peter. What happened because Peter did this? As as a result of this, you see, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and and was able to proclaim, and 3,000 came to know the Lord. Because he was willing to work on him, because he dealt with the things inside of him, man, people came to know the Lord. And what I want to encourage is that you have the responsibility today to look at yourself. And so I gave two pieces of advice. The first piece is what? Remember the faithfulness. There are good things in your backpack past. There are good things. Proclaim that. And the second thing I said was what? Work through some things that you need to work through. Work through some things and change the ways, change some things that are established deep down. And my prayer, my belief is this. As we do this, as we change ourselves more and more into the image of Christ, just like Peter, God can use us more.